if you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. So, this story may be a bit more bizarre than scary, but being personally involved in it made it pretty startling to me. Let me explain so it makes more sense. I used to work in a pretty large and popular department store back in 2017, and this took place around the holiday season of that year. I worked on the floor typically stocking shelves and bringing more stuff out from the back. I was one of the guys that got to ride around on one of those machines that carried pallets and stuff. It was fun. Sometimes I had to relieve a cashier for the break, which wasn't my favorite, but it definitely made the time fly by. While stalking, I often get to people watch, and I really saw some interesting situations. I've seen old ladies fighting over lotions parents who are too wrapped up in their phone or someone they were talking to to realize their kid was now playing in a different aisle near complete strangers. I've seen people steal the weirdest merchandise, and others bring in even weirder things. But then there was her, the woman who sparked a sequence of events that would leave the entire store in a state of confusion. Now, I'll be honest here. She initially caught my attention because she was attractive. She had long, dark hair and green eyes, and she had a cute smile that she flashed as she approached me. She even had a soft yet cheerful voice as she asked me about where something in the store was located. She thanked me and then walked away, leaving me to continue my work. Fast forward to the shelf-stocking routine when I pushed my cart to another aisle, when I saw a jacket on the ground. Annoyed at first, thinking a customer decided they didn't want it and just stuffed it on a shelf, or maybe a kid was dragging it along and dropped it, I went to pick it up. But that's when I noticed there were no tags on it, and it definitely looked worn and not from our store. I tossed it on the side of my cart, planning on dropping it off at the Lost and Found the next time I went up front. However, the odd discoveries continued. A few aisles later, I found a boot, and it was just the one at first, but just around the corner I saw the matching one. And these were definitely not from here. Someone had come into the store wearing them. The bottoms were pretty flat and worn out, but otherwise they looked pretty clean. Like these were obviously someone's favorite pair of boots. My initial thought was that someone may be trying to steal a pair of shoes. It was a common trick that people tried. They would just wear the new pair out, leaving the old ones behind. But then I found a pair of jeans. Once again, the store that I worked at sold a very specific brand, and the ones that I found were not that brand. I had already put the jacket and boots up, so I hadn't put the clothing together at first. But then I spotted that woman again. This time... She was casually strolling through the store wearing nothing but her shirt and underwear. I remember standing there in confusion. 
what exactly was I witnessing here? This woman that approached me maybe an hour earlier that seemed completely normal was now strutting around the department store half-naked. This finally made me put things together. The jacket, the boots, and the jeans, they had to have belonged to her. My confusion quickly turned to concern, and I immediately sought help. I found someone close by in the clothing department and had them call management. Being a male, I figured it would be better for a female to approach her due to her current state, which is why I didn't. I didn't know if something happened, if she was under the influence or something, but I didn't want to make things worse. I escorted my coworker to where I saw her, but unfortunately she was gone. They said that they would walk Ian to the others to keep an eye out for her, and I just went back to work, hoping to not find any more clothing. Alas, it wouldn't be so simple. A little while later, I would find her shirt, a shirt that I knew was hers based on the pattern that I specifically remembered. Now we have a woman walking around the store in only her undergarments, and yet we could not find her. Everyone with the walkie knew this woman existed, and I can't believe that not a single customer would report it either. This could get dangerous. If someone, God forbid, had not so good thoughts, or even if she left the store. It was freezing up here. Our winters are harsh and unforgiving in the north. She could easily die from hypothermia, if she had gone out there. I once again reported my findings, and they said that they were actually going to put someone at the doors to look for her too. It was about time for me to go to break, and I definitely felt like I deserved one at this point, so I made my way to the back area when I found something else alarming. A single pair of lone underwear staring back at me right at the employee-only door. I wish that I could have thought that maybe it once again was dragged from somewhere, but no, given the circumstances, I knew what I was looking at. I ran over to the manager's office to let them know who also went to look at the discovery. The manager did something that we don't often have to do. We locked the store down, and the manager called it in over the walkie. Everyone was on alert, looking for this woman who we pretty much were treating like a missing child at this point. It was kind of crazy. It had to be about 15 minutes into this, when there was some commotion towards the back of the store, and we saw a grown man nearly running away from the restrooms. One of the female managers that was in the back checked it out, and based on what the guy had said, it had to be the woman that we were looking for. He said that he went into the men's restroom and saw a nearly naked woman in there, and that she had started screaming at him to get out. The manager went in and found her trying to climb over one of the stalls that were clearly open and unlocked. She tried to get her to calm down to see what was going on, but she said that she didn't even have the normal telltale signs of being intoxicated or on drugs. We gave her her clothes back, to which she seemed indifferent about them, until the cops showed up and told her to put them on because it was cold outside. While she was nearly nude in the store, there were no charges pressed as far as I was aware, and she wasn't arrested. 
they actually tried to help her get home. I never saw her again, and we never got answers to what the hell that was. I know that this wasn't exactly scary, but it was definitely one of the strangest experiences I have ever had. There were definitely some scary things that could have happened, but I'm glad that none of them did. And wherever she is, I hope she's doing okay, and staying dressed whenever she goes shopping. So, I used to be super skeptical when it came to paranormal or supernatural stuff. A hardened non-believer of anything that wasn't right in front of my eyes on the regular. Obviously, that's not the case anymore, and I have a story to tell you that explains why I changed my perspective. I used to work for a rental company. I was contracted with them as a handyman doing basic fix-it work for their tenants. The company was a realty company that managed a few houses, some apartments, and duplexes. Things like that. It was a great paying job being in a small town and all, and most of the tenants were great people that were just happy to see me. This specific job that I got called on was a minor electrical issue at an old house that they were renting out on the edge of town. It was an older house, two-story, really nice on the outside. I knocked on the door and an older gentleman greeted me with a bit of a scowl asking what I wanted. When I told him I was there to look at the electrical issue, his whole demeanor changed, and he welcomed me in. He explained that he was having issues with one of the lights in the attic, and that it would flicker every time the lights were on up there, but that he had changed the bulb and it didn't seem to fix the issue. He even said that he put in an LED, thinking that it was an issue with the bulbs. I told him I would go take a look, and then see if I could fix it, or if we needed to get a full-on electrician. I went up to the attic, and sure enough, he was right. There wasn't much room among the boxes, but I got into the attic, set up my stepladder, and checked out the housing where the flickering bulb was. It's not really important to the story, but I did find an issue with one of the wires that was an easy fix. So I got to work splicing and capping. As I was doing so, I heard someone say something behind me. Thinking it was the old man, I shouted back, uh, Just a moment, I think I actually found the issue. But when I went back to work, I heard it again. This time it was more a whisper than someone speaking regularly. I paused to listen to it, and it seriously sounded like someone was whispering in a different language. It was one dominant voice going on, and it sounded like it was really close to me. It was creepy, but I just shook it off, thinking I was maybe hearing the TV downstairs, or just getting freaked out at the fact that I was standing in a dark, creepy, crammed attic. I finished replacing the wire and screwed the housing back into the ceiling, and when I dropped my screwdriver. I reached down to grab it, and when I did... I paused. It occurred to me that the attic wasn't as dark as it should have been. I glanced over and noticed something glowing under an old and dusty sheet. The nosy part of me got the best of the situation, 
and I was curious as to what it was. So I stepped over and pulled the sheet to the side, only to find an old, big tube TV. It was just on a static screen, because it obviously didn't have an antenna or anything, and I was just kind of amused at seeing a model that old. It was the kind that had the wooden frame around it, the really old ones, which you don't see very often, especially not in the condition that this thing was in. As I was marveling over the TV, a thought clicked in my head. I mentioned a moment ago about how it wasn't as dark as it was supposed to be, because of the TV. And it should have been dark, because the power was off in the attic. I had flipped the breaker. There was no power going to anything up there. And, of course, when I grabbed the power cable on the back of the TV... It wasn't plugged into anything, meaning this TV had no electricity running to it, yet it was showing me a moving, static visual, somehow. At that point, I was done. A haunted TV in a dark attic was the start to a horror movie, and I don't really like horror movies, so I went ahead and grabbed my tools and stepped down to flip the breaker back on and see if the light was fixed. It was, thankfully, and I went ahead and went down to tell the owner. He was satisfied, I was terrified but hiding it well, and everything was copacetic. So, I told him to have a lovely night, and I left. That's probably the only time I've ever had something creepy happen on a job. And honestly, it might not sound like much but an unpowered TV clicking on while you're working in a dark attic? It was enough to make me go from skeptic to... Maybe there is something more to this life. I haven't had any other paranormal encounters, and I'm pretty sure that if I had stuck around in that attic, I probably would have had something happen. Sure, that would have been a slightly more interesting story, but no thank you. I'm a big fan of your channel, and I decided to share my story. I don't know if you'll be able to use it, as it doesn't really fit into the Glitch in the Matrix category and it's not scary. It is a true story about a UFO sighting my brother-in-law had about 10 years ago. I really loved your UFO narrations. We live in South Alabama, in an area that is very rural. In the two-mile stretch of road that is my neighborhood, there are about ten houses spaced out with farming fields as far as you can see in between them. On one side, a twelve-acre field separates my house from my neighbors. My backyard is essentially a two-acre grass field that joins my neighbor's backyard property, which is about an eight-acre field that ends at a woodline. On the other side of my house, there is a sixty-acre farm field which ends at the same woodline. This field is always planted with either corn, soybeans, or peanuts. So naturally, there is a lot of wildlife that will come and eat the crops that are planted. During the colder months, my brother-in-law, let's call him P, would come over and sit at the edge of our property to watch the deer that would come out. He did this maybe three nights a week, 
anywhere between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. There was a dirt mound covered with broom sage and a small cluster of trees and some brush at the very end of my property. P would drive his truck out there and position it at an angle so that these trees would be in front of him and to his left, and he would be facing the wood line. It is relevant for you to know that when he would be deer watching from his truck, P would cover all of his windows on the driver's side with those sunshade things that you put in the windshield to block out the sun on a hot day. He did that to block out the moonlight and the light from our outdoor security light. The whole purpose of that is so that his eyes would adjust to the dark, and he could better see the deer and use his binoculars. The night that the incident occurred, he was out there like usual. I was on the couch watching TV, and it was about 1am. I hear P knocking on my back door. I open it to see him wide-eyed and visibly shaken. I tell him to come in as clearly something happened. He says, Let me tell you what just happened. What I saw. He then tells me. He was sitting in his truck, had the windows blacked out like always, looking toward the wood line for the deer when suddenly there's a bright light shining on him. Let me just say that our security light that I mentioned is not motion sensing. It's the kind that is on a light pole and comes on by itself at certain times, so that is not what was shining on him. At first, he thinks that me or my husband are shining him with a spotlight from the back porch, but then he realizes that the light is coming from above him, not behind him. He estimates that it was coming from a source about 30 feet off of the ground, but he couldn't tell what it was. Then the light goes out. He decides to stay where he is and see if the light comes back. Fifteen minutes pass, no light. He's brushed it off and is back to deer watching. He catches movement in his periphery. He describes what he saw as a craft that was as big as his truck. He drove a Chevy S10 at the time, so not a full-sized truck. It had a boxy shape, you could see through it, and it was dimly lit inside. It was silent, and this craft was floating about 12 feet off of the ground. He watched it slowly float out from behind that small cluster of trees, moving towards the open field. He grabbed his binoculars to try to get a better look. When he looked through them and tried to focus on the craft, it changed directions and floated back behind the trees. He said that whenever he wasn't looking through the binoculars, the craft would start to move back out into the open. He said it was like it was trying to hide itself, and like it knew when he was looking through the binoculars. He continues watching it for a few minutes, and then it disappeared. He said it was just there, and then it was gone. That's when he made his way up to the house. I asked him, So you saw a floating see-through box? He said yeah, and detailed it as, It wasn't clear see-through. It had an opaqueness to it, but that he could see what was on the other side, but it was distorted. And then he asked me for a piece of paper, and the shape that he drew gave me chills. It looked like one of those old wooden coffins, like the kind that vampires are depicted as sleeping in. All that I said after that was, I believe you. 
he left our house that night, and he didn't resume his deer watching until the following winter. At the time of this incident, P had been my brother-in-law for 10 years, and has been for 20 years now as I write this. He has never been a real excitable guy. I haven't ever seen him spooked like he was that night, before, or since. What truly solidified my belief was when P retold his account of what he saw to his mother, my mother-in-law. She was a no-nonsense woman of very few words. She was a smoker at the time, and when she was having trouble sleeping, she would have a cigarette out on her porch late at night. She said that she'd been out doing just that one night, around 2am, and that she had seen the exact same craft as P had described. So, that's my story. I'm submitting it in hopes that you'll do another UFO collection of stories sometime soon. Maybe someday. And also because I really want to know if anyone else has seen a craft like this. When I was a kid, I used to love playing in the snow. In fact, I had always been a very active kid, always wanting to play outside and explore every nook and cranny I could find out there. But there was just something about snow days that were magical to my simple child self. Sure, you got to stay home from school, but it was more to me than that. I got to play outside all day with my friends without homework getting in the way. I was an only child. My dad worked a normal 9 to 5 job and my mom worked from home, but just stayed in her office most of the day. So if I had a snow day or some random unexpected day off, I basically had to leave her alone until we had lunch or something. So being expected to keep myself entertained didn't always work out. Thankfully, I had a few friends that lived in the neighborhood, and my mom was more than willing to let me go hang out with them on those days off. Our snow days would typically consist of building a decent-sized snowman. We usually only dressed him up with the things that we found around the yard, or nothing at all, because we would then use it for target practice. We would throw snowballs or rocks at it, and then we would throw them at each other and... Plenty of other fun things like that. The story took place during one of those snow days. My friends and I had all been trying to build a makeshift snow fort. I had walked down to Andy's house, which is where we met up. From there, Andy, Travis, Jackson, and I walked to the corner to hang out at what we referred to as our club. There used to be an old convenience store located there, but it burned down several years prior to this event. When that happened, they bulldozed what was left of the building and just left the concrete parking lot empty, with nothing ever being built there. This became the best blank canvas when it snowed, and we loved it. This is where we would end up hanging out a lot. We pretty much knew the people in the neighborhood, so sometimes people would drive by and honk and wave at us and just carry on. It wasn't a secret or anything. Our parents knew that we went there too. So this was where we started building a few snowman guards in the front, and then we started building our walls in the back. It had been a really good snowfall with plenty more expected, 
so we got a little in over our heads. We wanted to try and build walls on at least three sides of the concrete, and try to make it as close to an enclosed place as we could. However, we were still kids and didn't quite understand the purpose of not having walls crooked or having supports to help hold them up, so it fell at times. But we were still determined. And while we were working on this, there was one guy that we saw walking down the street, but he didn't really stand out at all. He had on a long black coat that went past his knees. He was wearing sunglasses and a fedora as well, and he was wrapped up in a long dark red scarf. To me, he just looked like some businessman, but like others had done, he stopped and stared at us for some time. We waved at him, and he didn't wave back, keeping his hands in his pockets. So, we just continued playing. Shortly after, I looked up, still feeling like we were being watched, and I saw the guy was still standing there. He had walked to the corner and hit the button to cross, as I heard the beep, but I guess he never walked. It was pretty obvious at this point that he was just watching us. Being a kid, though, I didn't know if it even meant anything, and he wasn't doing anything other than just standing there, so I tried to just ignore him. We all once again helped out, and before I knew it, I had forgotten about the guy, and when I looked a while later, he was gone. We'd been out there for most of the day, and were told that we needed to be home before sundown. And so when the sky started turning pink and orange, we knew it was about time to go. All of us were starting to feel a bit hungry anyways. We began our trek back home, but right before we got to Andy's house, I realized I left my gloves back at the fort. I had taken them off because they were covered in snow and were no longer keeping my hands warm. They were also new, and I knew that my mom would kill me if I left them, and possibly lost them so I had to turn around. I told my friends to go on ahead and that I would go by myself, not wanting anyone else to get in trouble for my mistake. I thought that I would just walk back down there, grab them real quick, and head back. No big deal. I got back to our spot, grabbed my gloves, and then spotted part of our wall that looked like it was going to collapse. We had spent so much time on it that I didn't want it to fall so I took a moment to try and pack more snow into it. As I did this, I started getting that feeling of being watched again. It reminded me of staying at Andy's and having his little brother always peeking into the room, so I started to look around. To my surprise and curiosity, it was the man from before, in the long coat, standing at the corner and once again staring at me. This time... The man waved at me first, and being taught manners, I waved back. The man smiled and began walking towards me, and for some unexplained reason, I started to get this feeling like something was wrong, like I was in trouble. I stood up and started walking towards the street to leave, pretending like I didn't see him walking towards me, but then he shouted at me, which made me stop. It was one of those times where, as a kid, they were an adult, so I felt like I needed to listen to them. My parents did instill stranger danger in me, and I knew not to go with strangers or whatever, but 
I still felt like I had to listen to what they had to say. I stopped in my place, turning back around to face them as they approached me, and he began talking to me. Hey there, sweetie. Did you and your friends build that wall all by yourself? He talked to me like I was a small child, not like you would to a 12-year-old boy. And the way he called me sweetie just felt off to me. I nodded, simply saying yes when he stood up straight, putting his hands on his hips and said that it was very impressive of us. Then, he asked if I needed a ride home. I thought this was a weird question because every time we saw him, he was walking. He hadn't been in a car. Regardless, I knew not to accept a ride from a stranger, so I told him no, and said that I lived right up the street, and then pointed to Andy's house. I was thinking he would leave me alone if he saw that my house was in clear view from where we were. Unfortunately, it did not, and he made a comment that sounded more like a threat. Well, you never know what could happen to a little girl walking alone by herself. I didn't like the way that he said that. And also, I wasn't a girl. I did have longer hair as my parents let me choose what I wanted to do with it. And with my hat on, I suppose someone could have mistaken me for a girl. I told him that I was a boy, probably sounding a bit offended at the time. And he just had this evil-looking grin on his face the whole time. It again made me feel really uncomfortable, so I just said that I needed to get home and continued walking. I looked over my shoulder for a moment and saw the guy standing still, watching me walk off. The weird vibes he was giving would not let up, and my fight-or-flight started kicking in, making me constantly look back. Thankfully, I did because the guy started walking behind me, following me, and obviously catching up. Something in my head told me that I needed to run, so after stopping for a brief second to turn like I was going to cross the street, I then took off running towards Andy's house. I could hear his feet shuffling behind me, obviously running with me. I started screaming, saying anything that I could to get someone's attention, or maybe get him to leave me alone. I shouted things like, Leave me alone. I don't know you. And somebody help. I finally reached Andy's door, and instead of knocking as I normally would, I immediately tried the door. And thankfully, it was still unlocked, so I ran inside. I saw Andy sitting on the couch, and his mom came out of the kitchen with a concerned look on her face. I quickly tried to tell them about the man that had followed me there, and Andy's mom yelled for his dad. When he came out, I relayed what had happened to him as well, and he immediately rushed outside looking for the guy. Andy's mom called the cops, and my parents as well, to let them know what was going on. When the cops showed up, I explained what happened, and then Andy and I gave them a description of the same man to confirm, and they went out to look for him. My parents showed up as well, not willing to let me walk home, of course, and we waited for the cops to come back. Unfortunately, they never saw the guy again, so we went home. This also ruined some of our independence for a while. We weren't allowed to go anywhere alone. We weren't allowed to go down to our little spot, and I wasn't allowed to walk to Andy's for a long time. 
and they would drop me off and pick me up, or only allow me to walk if there was someone with me. Like, if all of us boys were together. And they took stuff like that very seriously in our neighborhood. Which was a good thing. A lot of neighbors would look out for us, and strangers, and immediately report it. Especially after this event. I never did see that guy again, which is great, but I just hope that he was never successful with offering that ride. Or even better, hopefully he was caught somewhere else before he could offer one. That man emanated evil, and I could tell that there was nothing good to come out of that situation. So, please keep in mind that this happened to me, male, 25, around one year ago while working as a second officer on a heavy lifting vessel during my watch. I was not tired or in any way intoxicated. Not possible. Zero drugs policy on board. I still cannot explain what I saw. So, here goes. The scariest thing that I have encountered was during a routine night shift while passing the Atlantic Ocean. I was doing laps around the bridge console to get some exercise while on watch, second officer, from 0100 to 0400 hours, and to relax a bit. While passing the bridge windows, I saw someone walking from aft to forward on the starboard side, which was not unusual. Just the time at 0130 was surprising. The crew was allowed to go outside whenever they wanted, so I didn't mind it at first. When I passed by the window again after doing a full lap, I noticed that he was standing between the cargo hold number one and the windbreaker, with his back turned to me, looking forwards. I stopped to see what he was doing, and suddenly he turned around, looking straight at me, and started to wave with his hand while still standing perfectly still. This made me uneasy, because at this time I started to notice some weird things. For example, he was wearing a white overall, which is normal for officers, but at our company, all overalls for officers and ratings is red, with silver reflective strips on the shoulders. Also, he was wearing an orange helmet, which could have been possible. We have some, but all crew has white helmets. Also, it should have been impossible to see me from forward. All lights on bridge were off and the deck lights were on, so reflecting when watching from below. So while this person is standing there waving, I walk over to the console and grab my radio and I try calling him. No response. He just kept waving, following me while walking around the bridge with this face. I saw him on the starboard side bridge and the radio was on port side bridge, near the cart table. After calling him again, I went back to the light console to turn on the bridge spotlights, which flooded the deck with lights. I looked up from the console and he was gone. So I think to myself he might be hiding in the stairway to the paint store, or he's inside the passage to forward station inside the windbreaker and I wait with the lights on. After 30 minutes or so, 
I decided to turn off the lights, but kept watching for some time and haven't seen him again. So, the next morning I asked around if anyone was on deck during my watch, but everyone confirmed that they were sleeping during that time, which made sense to me, and it seemed like they were telling the truth. Also, no one owns white overalls, because, again, our overalls are all red. Why would anyone walk around on deck at 0130 hours? We have no safety round, and usually no additional lookout who is awake at this time. Usually it's only me during my watch. Some guys thought it was a prank, but no one knew anything about anyone planning or doing anything like this. Not even when I asked them to tell me the truth. I believed them because why would they lie about this? I mean, I wouldn't be mad about it. I'm not gonna lie, they would have gotten me good, so I would have laughed together with the prankster. But none said anything like it, or admitted to it, even months later. What really freaked me out about this is the stiff movement of this... person, and the sudden staring while standing still. I can't explain what I saw and I have no reasonable explanation to this day, because no one admitted to pranking me, or going on deck at this time. Also, the sudden disappearance when turning on the floodlights is still unexplained. I also checked the spot where I saw the person, and there was no evidence of him hiding anywhere. The paint store stairway in the entrance to Bozen's store was locked every evening, and it was still locked when I checked it in the morning. So, yeah. This was the only weird experience I had while working at sea for the last five years. I still cannot explain what I saw. I don't believe it was some hallucination, because I saw him for at least five minutes, from walking to facing forward, and standing in forward looking at me, and I turned away a few times to grab the radio, or walk to the console. He only disappeared when I turned on the floodlights but this was the only time that I saw anything like this. I live in a semi-rural area, and things are pretty spread out, which is normal for us. But one day, a friend and I went to visit another friend way out in the middle of nowhere. Like, we had to cross the one-lane historic bridge to get to the town, and then go miles down a dirt road with no other houses, to get to the old farm where our friend was staying with her daughter, while her daughter was in her late stage of pregnancy. The daughter ended up going into preterm labor and gave birth so fast that they didn't have time to get to a hospital, so my friend had to help her daughter give birth on the living room floor. The paramedics didn't even get there in time. So, that was dramatic, although has nothing to do with the story. I'm a smoker, and had gone outside a couple of times during the visit for a cigarette. In the countryside and old farm were beautiful, and I wanted to enjoy the scenic landscape, but I only felt creeped out. I felt like I was being watched. At one point... I sat on an old-fashioned porch swing and had such a feeling of malice wash over me that I jumped up like I sat on a pin. After the sun started to set, I decided that I didn't need any more cigarettes for a while. 
so we were sitting at a kitchen table, visiting for most of the time, but we had gotten up and were across the room making dinner. This is when the really weird part happened. There was an old-fashioned landline phone on the wall. We were all old enough that this wasn't a strange thing at all. It had one of those old organizers that used to be next to every wall phone. It had a notepad, a mini peg and cork board, and a slot for storing mail. And, as all of these types of things, the mail slot was full of mail. We were laughing and talking, and for some reason we had all just stopped talking and were facing that part of the room. The bundle of mail suddenly shot up in the air, made a 90 degree turn from up to sideways in midair, and then went about four more feet. And then all the mail just burst in all directions, and flew everywhere, and then hit the ground. We all just stood there trying to process for a few beats. I was the first to move. I stepped forward with the intent on picking up the scattered mail. I don't know what I was thinking, it was pure instinct to pick up something that had fallen. I made it two or three steps, and was hit with a wall of freezing cold air and the feeling of dread. I instantly retreated, deciding that the mail could just stay on the floor. Some have suggested to me that the slot of overstuffed mail could have been somehow dislodged, and the tentative balance could have been slowly changing until it reached the point where gravity took over and the mail fell, which would be logical if the mail had simply fallen straight to the floor. It didn't. It shot straight up about one to one and a half feet, or half a meter, and made a 90 degree angle and moving fast went another four feet parallel to the floor. At this point, it had all been moving together as if it was one object, like someone had it in their hand. After traveling four feet, a little less than a meter and a half, sideways, it stopped dead. And it was like that hand tossed a bunch of mail up in the air like confetti, and then it scattered in all directions as it dropped to the floor. Gravity just doesn't work that way. The minute we finished eating dinner, my friend and I pretty much fled. We didn't want to be rude and leave just as dinner was done cooking, so we did sit at the table to eat, but the moment that we could get out without being inexcusably rude, we couldn't get to the car fast enough. And we never went back. I know our friend didn't blame us. Plus, she moved back to her house just as soon as her daughter was settled with the new baby. I have since lived in a haunted house myself, and weird stuff happened a lot. But the feeling of malice and oppression that I felt that day is something I never want to experience again. So, that's the story. It was years ago, and I hadn't thought about it for a long time, but it came up the other day, and I thought that you could use it. This happened back in late 2020. I work at a hospital, but on the data entry side of things. So, most of the time, I was able to work from home, but I had to go in once a week for a mandatory meeting and to swap out or shred any documents that I may have had. 
unfortunately on this Thursday I was due in the office, and we were expected to have a pretty heavy snowstorm. It was just a light dusting by the time I went in that morning, but I watched from my office window as my car was buried inch by inch in snow. By the time I was leaving for the day, it probably took me an extra 15 minutes to dig my car out. It was older, so I had to let it warm up, otherwise it wasn't going to go anywhere fast. But finally, I was on the road and headed home. I was living in a newly developed apartment complex, which meant there was a whole lot of nothing around the area. It was in a pretty busy city, but the side road to my apartment complex was all new, so it was a pretty long and boring road, typically. So, as I was coming home, I turned onto the old highway, thinking it would be easier to get through expecting the roads to have been cleared, or at least treated. As I drove, I could see a dark figure in the distance. It looked like someone was standing on the side of the road, possibly about to cross it. As I mentioned, I was on this little side highway that was a shoot-off from the larger and more heavily used one, so seeing anyone out here on foot wasn't simply uncommon, it never happened, especially not in these kinds of snowstorms. So I slowed down, just in case they tried to cross in front of me. Visibility was down, so I didn't want to risk them not seeing me either. But as I got closer, it looked like the person wasn't moving, and I would soon learn why. As I approached, I slowed down next to it and saw not a person, but a scarecrow. I was definitely confused, but I guess more relieved that it wasn't a person standing out there. I remember chuckling to myself, but then continued on down the road. But that wasn't the end of the strangeness that night. This road had several curves, and the right shoulder was more of a cliff than a shoulder. There was a guardrail around it, but there was a steep incline behind it that it would probably stop you better than the barrier. So, as I drove around these curves, I saw another scarecrow, and another. I probably saw one around every curve, and it made no sense. This happened in December. I would expect to see maybe reindeers or other possible Christmas decorations, but not scarecrows. There wasn't even any agricultural land around this road, so they really made no sense. But as I drove by them, it started to become pretty eerie. The heavy snowfall and winds made it hard to see, and then spotting the dark and human-like scarecrows was kind of putting me on edge. Because I was getting nervous, I kept my speed lower than the limit, and kept looking along the sides for more of these scarecrows and hopefully an answer for it. However, I was clearly struggling with tunnel vision as I looked for them because out of nowhere, there was a loud thud and a dark figure hit the front of my car. I was terrified. I slammed my brakes, which made me skid due to the conditions of the road, but thankfully I wasn't going the 45 plus miles per hour that the road called for, so I was able to get my car under control. After coming to a complete stop, 
I sat motionless, trying to catch my breath, when I noticed my cracked windshield. This brought me back to my surroundings and realized that I may have just hit a person. I got out of my car, now shivering, not from the cold, but out of fear. I look behind my car and I see a pile of what should be a body. Their back was to me, but the legs were bent backwards, and unnaturally so. They had clothes on, but from their position, I was certain they were dead. My heart was racing, and I felt like I was going to be sick, but... I continued to walk towards them, shouting if they were okay. Yes, I asked if they were okay. I was scared, dumb, and I didn't know what else to say in this situation. But then, I got close enough and realized that something was wrong. Again, this was not a person. It was a mannequin. What the hell was going on here? There were random scarecrows everywhere, and then out of nowhere a mannequin falls from the sky and hits my car? I seriously felt like I was in some kind of movie, or someone had to be around recording this. I nudged the mannequin with my foot, and after confirming one more time that it was not a person, I started walking back towards my car. Then... The deafening silence of the snowfall was broken when I heard a shuffling sound from behind me. I turned around and saw a man sliding down the hill on the right. I stopped and watched as he walked towards the mannequin and started picking it up. Then he shouted back towards the hill, and two more people came out and slid down the hill toward him too. I was standing by my car at that point, ready to jump in and lock the doors. I started to fear that this was some kind of setup that I'd heard about online, where someone pretends to get hit by your car or maybe they claim they're broken down on the side of the road, and when you pull over, more people come out and try to rob you or something. They were all in big jackets and overalls, all wearing balaclavas, and had their hoods over their heads. I wouldn't even be able to give a description, so... I was prepared to get in my car and just call 911, but I couldn't help but watch as the three of them started picking up the mannequin that was now in pieces under the clothes. The first guy then stopped to wave at me and said, Sorry about that. We're just trying to have a little fun. I just stared at them and gave them a limp wave back and watched as they finished picking up the mannequin. One of them threw the head to another, and then they all marched back up the hill and out of view. What did I just witness? Was that really a couple of full-grown, I think, men, playing with a mannequin on the side of the road? I just got in my car, frowned again at the crack, and drove away. I was even more on alert at that point, looking all over the place and probably not going faster than twenty just to make sure that nothing else happened. Thankfully, I made it home shortly after with no other incidents and no other scarecrows seen. I locked the door to my apartment and kept looking around to see if anyone had followed me home. I don't know why that had me so paranoid. They definitely didn't seem like they were going for a robbery or something. I mean, after watching them walk away and not even approach me, but it still freaked me out. Were they really just doing that for fun? And what 
exactly were they trying to do? I definitely didn't want to stop and ask questions, and I surely wasn't going to tell them that they owed me a new windshield, even though I should have. I never did see them again on that road, though I didn't leave my house again until that following week, I guess afraid of what or who might be out there. I even posted on the Nextdoor app to see if anyone else witnessed the same thing, but no one had similar experiences. I guess I was just the lucky winner that day. I still live in the same apartment, but I'm very suspicious about taking that road. So I got a dash cam, in case, god forbid, it does happen again. However, it seems like it was just a one-off thing, and there one-off day of fun has forever triggered a near panic attack any time I am on that road. So, this happened when I was pretty young, probably 10 or 11 or around that age. At the moment, the house that my family were living in had a kitchen with a door inside, that opened up to a back room which my mom had turned into a pantry, which had her fridge and other stuff, and just outside the kitchen door was a window by which we kept our water filter. If stood in the kitchen doorway, you could see through it and through the pantry door into the pantry. What I'm trying to say is, I guess, the pantry door and the kitchen door are parallel to each other. Anyway, one morning I woke up early, and my family was still asleep, which was not uncommon since I liked waking up early. I decided to go check the fridge for, well, anything. When I got to the pantry and opened the fridge, I looked inside and saw nothing, and then looked out into the hallway through the doors, and I see someone standing there. I couldn't see a face or anything, just a dark figure. A couple of feet taller than me, but not tall enough to be an adult. I thought it might be my older brother, so I called out to him. Hey, what are you doing? I didn't get a reply, so I turned back and closed the fridge, and then turned back around, only to find no one there. Naturally, I thought my dumb brother was playing a prank on me, so I went to go check. First, I checked in the hall to find no one and then the living room again to find nothing. So, I went to his room only to find it empty. When I left, I ran into my mom who asked me what I was doing in my brother's room, and I told her I was looking for him. She replied with, Oh, honey, he's at his friend's for a sleepover. Turns out, my brother left the night prior after I'd fallen asleep to go to a friend's house for a sleepover and wouldn't be back for the next two days as it was summer vacation. At that moment, I didn't think anything of it, mainly because I was a kid, and I didn't think it was a big deal and didn't tell anyone. And even after that, I didn't see or feel or hear anything, although the memory comes back from time to time. I still don't know what happened that morning, it could have just been my imagination, or my brain playing tricks on me. I don't know. And honestly, I don't think I want to know. Because just the thought of it freaks me out. 
Hey, Raven. I'm Tasnia from Bangladesh. I wanted to share my mom's story. Once, I was listening to a Pleiadian meditation music for sleeping, and this was on my headphones. The next morning, I woke up and had breakfast. I saw that my mom was worried and seemed stressed out. I asked her what happened. She said that I had a crazy dream. She said that she saw three aliens in this dream. One was a mother, one was a father, and one was the child. They, the three aliens, were sleeping in my mom's bed. My mom screamed loud and said, It's my house. Get out of my bed. Leave our house. Leave. And they just asked her to let them stay. They said that they weren't harming any of the members and that it was also their house. In the dream, my father gave them permission to stay, but my mom didn't because she was terrified. She said that they were really long, like seven feet, and they were kind of magical, mystical creatures, and that they were beautiful. And that was her odd dream. And the interesting fact was that the very next day, I had also seen them, but just the mother and the child, not the father. So, that's our true story, Raven. If you want, you can share it. Lots of love, and thank you. This is a story told to me by a dear friend. I have permission to tell the story, and I hope this extends to your podcast. The story happened to my friend's dad when his dad was five years old. His dad was born in the country of Chile in South America, and he lived on a rural area outside any major cities. One evening, his dad was playing outside with his dog when he saw a light some distance away at the edge of the forest. His dad was curious, and he approached the light. As he walked towards the light, his dog started growling and barking, but his dad was curious, so he kept going. When he was close enough, he saw that the light was emitted by a girl, a young child no older than him, around five years old. She was floating, and she was dressed in white, and she was emitting this bluish-white light. My friend's dad then lost consciousness. When he came to, he was lying on the ground, and it was totally dark. Night had fallen. His dog was resting beside him. He simply stood up and returned to his house, not feeling well. Two days later, my friend's father developed a high fever and had to be taken to the hospital. He had meningitis, so his brain tissue was swollen. He was in the hospital for two months, fighting for his life. Luckily, he survived, and he was able to return home when he was healed. After this, my friend's father remembered asking his mom if he could go out to play with the girl from the stars. His mother was scared every time he asked that, and she always said no, that he could not go play with the girl from the stars. So he never did. Hi, Raven. Long-time listener, first-time poster. For the record, I'm a 17-year-old male. I don't know if this is a supernatural story or something like that, but 
I think you'll enjoy it. About six or seven months ago, I would have a recurring dream. Every night, it would be the same. The dream went like this. In my dream, I'm laying in bed. I needed to use the restroom, so I opened my eyes and start to get up. But then I couldn't move. I couldn't close my eyes, breathe, or anything. Then, for some reason, I look in my closet. My closet is an open closet with no doors. It used to have a curtain, but that ended when we brought in the cat. Anyway, I look in my closet and I see something move. Then this thing stood up. It was all black, except its face. Its face was white. The eyes on this thing were lidless, and they were perfectly round. There were two huge slits where the nose would be and the mouth was twisted into a huge smile. Like, a huge smile. Like its mouth was cut from ear to ear. Like I said before, its body was black and really thin. Its fingers were long and pointed at the ends. The thing just stood there. And then it got on all fours and exorcist spider crawled under my bed. And then I see a shadow on the wall next to my bed, and it's on the ceiling. It again pulls an exorcist and twists its head all the way around until it's looking at me. Then a voice in my head says, You will regret what you have done. I don't know what it meant, and I kind of don't want to know. After a week, the dream stopped. Then, a month ago, the dream happened again, but it was different. This time the thing was standing next to my bed and it was humming somehow, because it was still smiling. I think it was humming London Bridge is falling down, and it was caressing my cheek with its finger, and it would say in my head, Shh, it's okay. Go to sleep. Then it would hum again. Then, in a very fast motion, its face was in front of mine. Like inches away from mine. Then in my head I yelled, sleep. I haven't had the dream since then, and this is all true by the way. Hey there friends, I hope that you enjoyed this collection of scary stories on this episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. If you did, make sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform that you're utilizing, and if the platform you are on has a rate the podcast option, please consider doing so. Those ratings push the podcast into the algorithm, and we all know how the algorithm controls everything, so yeah. I also do have a Patreon if you go to patreon.com slash asthereavendreams, you can support the channel further. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get early access to all of my content in audio format. The content's a little different, as it's based on what I upload to my YouTube side, but it's the same stories. Just in different collections of stories than how they're presented here. Speaking of stories, if you have one you would like to submit to me, please go to asthereavendreams.com and click the button in the middle of the screen that says Submit Your Story. Now, these stories are mostly sourced by listeners, so let's keep the podcast alive. If you've got one, I'd love to read it.
Anyways, friends, I hope you're all having a beautiful day and a lovely week. And I hope I see you again very soon. But until then, remember you're loved, you're valid, you're important. You're the best you that you can be, never forget it. And until next time, much love and sleep well.